Hello and welcome to Hardy Party of Five and a Half. Well, hello, Rebecca. Hello. I haven't seen you since we walked down the hallway to come to the room. <laughs> That's right. It's been a long time. It's you been great. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. The lighting's different in here. Oh, yeah. <laughs> The lighting is always good on you, babe. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Um, so let's go back to when the kids were little and all the way till now. You and Alex really have watched one show together. What is it? Is it Backyardigans? No, I love the Backyardigans, but yeah. that is not it. Nobody beats Uniqua in a sing-off or a dance-off or anything. She's amazing. Oh, yeah. Do you have a Uniqua song that comes to mind? My favorite. Are you ready? I'm ready. Right in the range, right in the range. Let's go right in the range. That was very good, Rebecca. It was my favorite episode of the Backyard Again. I love that falsetto. Right. That's not what I'm talking about, though. So who? what am I talking about? You're talking about like something we listened to for a long time and still still watch. I would say you're talking about Good Mythical Morning. That's right. Good Mythical Morning with Rhett and Link. What is Good Mythical Morning? Good Mythical Morning is a YouTube show, mm-hmm. and basically how they started was just trying foods, trying crazy foods, and trying not to spit them out, <laughs> is really what how it got started. Okay. It's two friends from North Carolina that were working at like IBM, I think, together, mm-hmm. and they were bored doing it, and they're like, we need to do something creative. Yeah. And that's kind of what we're talking about with our guest today is creator creators got to create. <laughs> so they were in a dead end job for them because they wanted to create and do things yeah. that you can't do in a regular job. So now basically they sit around and taste food and make a lot of money. Can we do that? Well, we've got two out of three. We're sitting around <laughs> and we're tasting we taste food, food yeah. but we're not making a lot of money. Well, we need to work on that third bonus. <laughs> we do. Yes. And today on the show, we have a guy that comes straight out of Good Mythical Morning. His name is Jordan Morris, but known to Good Mythical Morning fans as Cotton Candy Randy. Who's a very controversial controversial figure. But, he is? Oh, yeah. Like some, and it, even Jordan mentions that some people really love Cotton Candy Randy mm-hmm. and some people don't really like him. Cotton Candy Randy is kind of an abrasive personality so yeah. he's he's hard to love right but when you once you do love him you can't get enough of him. you can't get enough of right. him and there's so much more to him right oh yeah he's yeah. a writer producer podcaster he's writing comic books and animated stuff and You're he's not just believe it. it's amazing yes creative people blow my mind yeah so here you go interview with cotton candy randy jordan morris Jordan, thanks so much for taking time to talk to us today. Oh, yeah. Thank you. It's, it's, we can't um, wait to, to dive it. into some things with you. You've got a yeah. bunch of cool things on your plate. Thanks. Uh, yeah. Let's start at the beginning. Tell us about Jordan. Where are you from? Did you grow yeah. up? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I grew up, I was born in Beaumont, Texas, but oh. I did. Yes. Uh, but I did most of my growing up in Orange County, California, okay. uh, home of Disneyland and a lot of Cheesecake Factories. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Wait, is that where started? Uh, sorry, say again? Cheesecake Factory started in... Oh, I don't, you know, that's a good question. I don't know what the corporate history of Cheesecake Factory is. I just know that it was like a huge deal when it came to our town. Like okay. that was, 
you know, birthday dinner spot. That yes. was um, like dinner before prom <laughs> spot. Yeah. Uh, yes, one of the horniest factories, the Cheesecake yes. Factory. If you really want to, <laughs> really want to set the mood for a magical night, you, you right. take her to the factory. Before all that, yeah. Of course. Uh, yeah. yeah, and I yeah we I definitely remember it, like it popping up and then them being everywhere and that feeling like the like fanciest, most fun yeah night out ever. Yeah. So did you go to high school in Beaumont? Uh, no, so uh, we moved to Orange County when I was like three. So like with okay. Beaumont, I, you know, was born there and we like my mom's family is back there. So we would do like a lot of our summer vacations okay. in kind of that area, South okay. Texas. Um, so yeah, so I have like an attachment to it, but I don't really remember okay, yeah. like, growing up there at all. Next to like Port Natchez, right? It is, yeah. Yeah, okay. And that's, I think they have like the big football, they have like a big football crowd there. Like high yeah. school. Yes. High yeah, yeah, yeah. That is a, that just, is definitely like college and high school football country. Yeah. I think it's just, just played in the championships at like AT&T Stadium here. Like okay. through their division up to there anyways. I, I believe you. Yeah, it's a big <laughs> deal. I don't, I don't so know you, why. I know that. He lives in the country <laughs> to Cheesecake Factory. To Cheesecake Country. Right. Yeah. Um, like, yeah. So, yeah, so I grew up in Orange County and then uh, went to college at UC Santa Cruz, which is like okay. Northern California. And mm-hmm. kind of like up there, I started doing like, you know, the college improv group. And I had a little like college radio show. And that's yeah. kind of when I started doing um like you know my own kind of like creative stuff and comedy stuff and then moved to LA after college and started uh working in the biz wow so as a kid and as during your youth what are some of the movies and shows that kind of inspired you that you know that you kind of go man I want to do that yeah totally okay so I was a big Simpsons kid I was a huge you know and still am still consider myself to be a (laughs) 40 year old Simpsons kid um and yeah so we like taped them all off tv I like watched the VHS tapes until they wore out I like memorized them uh yeah like that was a big social currency thing growing up is like who could quote the most Simpsons and so you know you would like <laughs> um you know meet on the playground and say like my son is also named Bort and then laugh and laugh and laugh (laughs) um so the Simpsons and like a little bit later like um you know some of the kind of like alternative comedy stuff that was running on Comedy Central so like Mystery Science Theater 3000 was huge for for me and um and yeah I kind of like cemented my love of watching uh you know not great movies for the purpose of (laughs) you know goofing on them and um like Kids in the Hall was kind of like doing doing their reruns the the Canadian sketch comedy show from the 80s and 90s so that was a huge one for me um yeah that was kind of the tv I was watching and then um you know with also a little like so I was I guess I was a comedy nerd you know maybe the the you know first and foremost a comedy nerd and then like um you know a sprinkling of like Star Wars Star Trek the Next Generation and like a lot of comics yeah yeah so we're both creative people he I'm a hairdresser he's a graphic artist Um, when did you realize that you were a creative Mm -hmm. and 
that you just needed to be in that profession. I know like sometimes when he gets in the corporate world a lot with his job, yeah. he's got to like sit and draw for a little bit or he's got to like do yeah. write or something. He's got to like let that out somewhere. To I do guess. something I like instead of something yeah. someone else likes, you know, right. of course. Totally. Yes. Yeah. When, so when important. You, when did you realize that about yourself that you were like, I'm creative and this is what I've got to do with my life? Yeah. So, I mean, as like a, as like a comedy loving kid, I definitely wanted to like be in the high school plays. I definitely wanted to be in the high school plays and like be, be funny in those. Like that was very fun to me, but I didn't like know any creative adults, like all the adults I knew, (laughs) like just had non-creative adulty adult jobs. Um, yeah, yeah. Like my, my, you know, my mom was a nurse and, um, you know, my like dad worked for a company that sold pregnancy tests. So like, we (laughs) didn't really have any, like, I guess my dad had a brother who like kind of helped plan like corporate events. And so he was like a little bit creative. Um, but yeah, like the, the idea of doing it for a job was really foreign to me. Um, I think like when I was a kid, I thought maybe I would be like an English teacher or a drama teacher or something oh, like that, uh, which I mean, still might happen and probably would be really, really cool. Um, but yeah, so I think I think that was kind of like what I had planned for myself as a kid. Uh-huh. And then when I got to college, um, you know, started learning a little bit more about like comedy as a business or like writing as a business. And so I had a college sketch group. We were called Prank the Dean, and we did sketch comedy in the dining halls. <laughs> um, that and pretty awesome. Yeah, we were we were hot. We were hot at the uh, Porter Dining Hall at UC Santa Cruz. We had some you get free Jello and you get free Jello. Yeah, exactly. You get to scan a friend in without losing a meal point. A lot of perks. A lot of perks to performing comedy in a dining hall. Yeah. Um, yeah, so we, uh, and yeah, so that group got asked to do shows at uh, San Francisco Sketch Fest, which is still a comedy festival um, that I still do stuff at. But they were like, you know, in their early, early days when it was just, you know, this this festival now is like a month long thing with, you know, 50 shows. But um, when it started, it was just kind of like a weekend at some littler theaters around San Francisco. And our group got to perform. And through that, I started to like meet people who like were working in the business. And then, you know, kind of through that, I'm like, okay, these people are doing it. And what did they do? So, you know, it usually involves some version of like, okay, you like move to LA or New York and you get some like lower level jobs and then you move up into higher level jobs. And, you know, so I kind of started to learn about the practical stuff and yeah, just kind of thought I would, thought I would give it a shot. I just loved doing it. And, um, you know, it, it seemed, it started to seem more, more achievable after that. So. Okay. So rewind one second. Would you have like a memorable high school drama that you were in that you loved? This is a great question. Um, I slayed in our production of Noises Off. Fucking killed. I was the old man. There's like an old, so Noises (laughs) Off is like a classic, like play within a play. It's a Mm -hmm. farce. So there's a lot of like slamming doors and, you know, like misunderstandings. Uh, And yeah, so there's a, like a, there's like a drunk old man character who doesn't have that much to do, but like you can come on 
do a little voice and really, really get some laughs. I think I, I think I had a British accent, even though the character didn't call for it, uh, just because I like love doing voices, and I'm sure I fucking. You have a whole backstory for him that nobody knew about. Yeah. Right. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I wrote. Uh, yeah, I wrote his whole history. <laughs> Grew up in the Great Depression, and uh, <laughs> you know his parents wanted him to work in a steel mill, but he said, "No, I'm going to be an actor." Anyway. Um, yeah. So I probably, you know put put a little too much time and effort into it but um yeah that was like a really fun memory and definitely like that's awesome the start of me kind of thinking about like oh okay like what if I wanted to do more of this like right. what what does one do so uh yeah for sure <laughs> that's cool. so do you you wanted to be on stage so do you like that instant gratification and is it different when you're like you're writing a lot now so how do you balance that? Because as a comedian, I would think you want that instant gratification of the audience reacting. So how is it when you're writing? How do you know when it's funny and not funny? And Yeah, no feedback. Yeah, yeah, right. Um, so I, when I first moved to LA, I was doing a lot of like sketch and improv. Um, and I tried a little bit of stand-up. I don't think I was great at it, but I like kind of tried that. And like did some kind of on-camera stuff for some of my like early, early jobs. And I like liked it and I still like it. Like occasionally I will do an on-camera thing or a live thing and I still really have fun with it. But the stuff that felt the best to me was writing stuff. Really? Um, yeah, it really just like, I, yeah, it just like, it, it, it was a, it was a, 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 a it thrilled me in a way that like live performing didn't and it I don't know I kind of like like that it's a mental exercise and I like it's something you can kind of sit with and you know improve over various iterations um so yeah I, that's just kind of something that I learned about myself it's like I I just loved the writing part of it so much and the um performing part of it was very fun and you know still is but um but yeah, I don't know. It kind of just like doesn't 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 thrill me like writing does. And I know it does for some people, like for some people that like on stage in front of an audience performing, being spontaneous, getting laughs is like is just like so amazing. And like I I I realized that that yeah, that wasn't quite how I felt about it. So, yeah, just kind of in in the in the interest of focusing a little bit, um decided to stop doing as many like on-camera things or live things um, and just kind of focus on writing a little bit um, career-wise. So, yeah. So in that writing process, do you like wanting to get away from everyone and going to a dark place or a lonely place to write? Or do you like go to a busy place to take notes about people and people watch? Is it a combination of that? Or is it just, what's your creative process when you're writing? Yeah, I, so I love group creativity. I love like being in a writer's room. I think that is the most fun place to write. I, you know, I think it kind of serves my skill set well. Um, yeah, and I just love like one-upping each other and making each other laugh and, um, you know, like everybody kind of contributing ideas. Uh, so that to me is my favorite. Um, but, you know, like obviously that is not every job you will get. Um, yeah, so I just kind of like, I like to, you know, just have a nice little space of my 
home for writing. Uh, I have an office now, which is kind of nice. Um, so yeah, I just have an office and uh, you're you're seeing it now in the background on Zoom. So <laughs> yeah, I just, you know, try and put up some art that I like and have some plants and just kind of a nice vibe, a nice window. Um, yeah, so I think that um, that is where I do a lot of my like uh, solo writing. Yeah, cool. So we went to LA over Christmas. Like, we right did, cool. We punched in. Remind me, remind me where y'all are. Just south of Fort Worth. Oh, cool. Great. Okay. Yeah, so we're in Texas. So we went out to LA at Christmas time. Our, our youngest son in particular, who he says, you should please follow him on Instagram. Um, <laughs> no he, pressure. No pressure. He, <laughs> he is the biggest Good Mythical Morning freak ever. Him and his oh, nice. have been watching since they were little kids together. Ever, they watch it all the time. We took him to Dallas to see it at a, a, a Majestic Theater there. But when we went to LA, we were determined, he was determined, to find where this place is filmed. The Good Mythical right. Morning Good Studios. Yes. Uh -huh. Very hard to find. Which is very hard to find. Hmm. But we punched in a few addresses and somehow I don't Alex got it from somewhere. He found it. And the reason yeah. he knew what it was was because he saw the back alley and I guess where they go outside and do some filming outside. And so it was kind of obvious the the alley that they were at. Anyways, right. it did it took us a while to figure this out. But it is they are huge fans of it. How did you get involved with Good Mythical Morning? And what is it like being on set with Red Link? Sure. Um, yeah. So I got involved with Good Mythical Morning during a period of the show where um, they were like breaking the show out into these like longer segments. Mm -hmm. um, right now, um, you know, uh, they are a, a really hilarious daily YouTube show and they have, you know, it's, it's one kind of primary, you know, kind of video per day with some other kind of little splinter videos, but it's kind of the one primary video. Uh, but for a while, they were doing a thing where it would be kind of broken out into segments, a little more like a, you know, traditional late night show. Um, and for that, because they were producing so much more, um, you know, they had so much more content to produce, they were like hiring some new writers. And I um, had worked with... Um, one of their producers on a Comedy Central show called At Midnight. And he thought I would be, and that show was just ending. I think uh, the news is that it is going to be rebooted, but the, its original run was wrapping up. Um, so yeah, I was kind of like looking and he asked me to like, you know, submit a resume and yeah, and I did and um, went into meet with them and was like, obviously it was like really, clear from the get-go that we had a really similar sense of humor we liked making each other laugh we kind of liked tagging each other's jokes and it seemed like a good um it just seemed like a good a good marriage a good work marriage uh so yeah i i hadn't watched a ton of the show before getting the job i definitely knew their commercials kind of uh rhett and link the guys who do good mythical morning they started uh, their career making these really really funny like weirdo local commercials for like actual businesses oh, so wow. I knew I knew those because I you know that was a very early viral video so yeah. I was a fan of those and definitely had like watched some of their videos because of how viral they go um but wasn't like super into like the um yeah, it wasn't super into their like ecosystem and didn't know how much they had going on. Um, but yeah, it was uh, it was just really fun. I um, yeah, it was a blast. They um, 
yeah, it's a very fun work environment, as you might imagine. Everybody is very cool. They hire cool people. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And then so when my like contract with them wrapped up, I had a couple other things I wanted to go do. So I kind of told them that like I, you know, love doing the show. Uh, I love being part of the family. I have some other stuff that I want to try, but please consider me on call if y'all need me for anything or you want to like, you know, if you know you want to like, I can be there a little more short term. And they were really nice about it. They were really nice about saying like, you know, yeah, you're part of the family, you know, go do what these other things you want to do and we'll like have you back when we can. So um, yeah, that was kind of my, my um, that was kind of my introduction to them and that's kind of where things still are. So yeah, I um, have some other stuff that I do, but um still love like collaborating with them um, whenever I can. Okay, so your most famous character on there is Cotton Candy Randy. Yes. My childhood best friend and Link's worst nightmare, the all-star of sweets and the champion of creeps, Cotton Candy Randy. Oh, oh no. Yes. No. <laughs> Here he comes. <laughs> Happy Cotton Candy Day, daddies. Yep. Do you want a sweet nothing before we start? Yep, yeah, I do, I do. I always do. I know the parts of your house where the shadows are the darkest. <laughs> So he's kind of just this awkward dude that comes down and says really awkward stuff. And it yeah. kind of keeps up from there. So where did that character come from? It came from <laughs> school play. Oh, is that I mean, that's, yeah. Right. No, so I I do not remember whose idea Cotton Candy Randy's was. It certainly was not me. Um, so, you know, Mythical, uh, if you watch the show, you know that they there's a real, like, all hands on deck spirit yeah. there like it's a real like scrappy let's put on a show everybody grab a wig type operation yeah. uh so yeah so a lot of the you know characters on the show and the you know uh kind of ancillary players are all just like people who work in the office um which is a really fun aspect of that show and yeah since i was just working in the office they're like we want to do this thing it is international cotton candy day today you know how like on twitter people will be like you know grab a spoon it's tomato soup day and you're like why is it tomato yeah. soup who said it's that right. <laughs> what do i do yes. yeah. every day is something every day is something so yeah so that it was cotton candy day and they were like we want to do this thing where there's this like gross santa that's how they phrased it, it was like it's a gross santa who comes in and celebrates cotton candy day so yeah i just kind of like i'm like all right give me the wig <laughs> so <laughs> I did it, and the voice is an impression of a caterer that they had for a while. There was a caterer they had for a while who was just kind of a just kind of a like delightful weirdo who <laughs> to like make each other laugh, we would do an impression of this caterer, but him saying really dark things. So it would yeah. be the caterer going like, oh, we have a lovely lemon chicken today, and uh, you know, my wife won't let me see my kids. So <laughs> it um yeah and I so I just did that voice because I thought it would make people on the crew laugh because I'm like ah that's the caterer um so that kind of is how it started and then it was just kind of like we had a lot of fun doing it um some fans liked it some fans do not like it <laughs> and that's fine everyone's entitled to their opinion uh but yeah it's just kind of been this weird little thing that has you know has a 
as a group of fans and it's it's so fun to do and love seeing the merch i love seeing people's tattoos um yeah it's just it's a blast i i i honestly love doing it so we need to check and see if alex has a tattoo he probably has a tattoo (laughs) (laughs) okay so you talk about all the other things you're doing so let's get into a couple of those things i didn't know you were writing for jellystone which is on hbo max classic Hanna-Barbera characters like oh gosh Yogi and Boo Boo and all those people all those yeah early people aren't yeah, they're, yeah. <laughs> so, right they're icons they're icons, uh, they're icons. you yeah. might think they're people <laughs> I do I try <laughs> yeah I see uh I see uh I see you're wearing a Tom and Jerry shirt I there are you like Jerry. a big cartoon animation guy yeah so. nice cool 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 As so a- tell us about Jellystone and how you got into that and a big thing I was thinking of is you've got these iconic characters like you talked about how do you respect what's going on in the past with them, but bring them in to the modern age of now? Yeah. Um, so Jellystone, I was thrilled to be asked to work on that show. Um, so there there are episodes that are on HBO Max now. So the uh, episodes I worked on will be coming out, I think, later this year. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, keep an eye on your HBO Max app for that. Mm-hmm. Um and I, so I was a fan of the first season. I'm, you know, I think like you, I, you know, grew up in a time when those cartoons just got rerun, you know, indefinitely on, you know, Saturday mornings and on cable and stuff like that. So I was so familiar with Yogi and Boo Boo and Squiddly Diddly and Great Ape and um, just kind of all these weirdo characters who, you know, existed in syndication. Um, and so I was like thrilled when they did that show because i thought it was just such a fun use of them you know they've got this huge library of characters um with like great designs and like fun backstories and they just kind of make this weirdo you know stony comedy show with them and i thought that was such a great use of them you know it wasn't like you know trying to make them edgy it wasn't like you know they're not all you know, smoking weed and drinking, you know, which there maybe is a funny version of that. But I like, <laughs> I like that it was in the spirit of those Saturday morning cartoons. Like kids can watch it. Adults can watch it. It's just a yeah, funny yeah. show. To keep it um, universal. Yeah. And yeah. I just like thought it was such a great use of them. And then, yeah, an old uh, co-worker of mine, I wrote a bunch of Unikitty on Cartoon Network. It's a Lego movie spinoff. So a old co-worker of mine was working on Jellystone uh, and they um, needed some writers for the new season. So they asked me to come aboard and I was just like, I could not have said yes to anything faster. It was so much fun. Um, yeah, so we wrote those um, We wrote those uh, last year. And they're, you know, in the process of getting animated, which takes a long time. Um, but yeah, I can't wait to see them. I'm so excited. And and to answer your question about like staying faithful, I think that the, so the showrunner of this is Carl Greenblatt, um, who's done a 
a bunch of great animated shows over the years. He's done um, Chowder and Harvey Beaks and um, a lot of these cool shows that I had um, I had really enjoyed in the past. And yeah, his philosophy is just like, yeah, make it funny. Just make it funny. Let's make each other laugh. Let's be silly. It doesn't, you know, if there can be some, you know, <laughs> good values or morals in it, cool. But if not, like as long as, you know, we're laughing, the audience is probably laughing. And yeah, so I think his his philosophy, which I loved, is just like, just make it funny. And, you know, it 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 kind of helps that these are more obscure characters. Like obviously there are some Jabberjaw fans out there, but <laughs> you know, they're not so numerous that if you mess with the character, you know, you're gonna get review bombed within an inch of your life so yeah. yeah i don't know it's just kind of like here's a funny kind of character design if we want to do the old character cool but if we have a new idea that's cool too you know <laughs> i don't think that many people remember thundar the barbarian so if he has a different unfortunately i do but I'm <laughs> thundar... might be some fun thundar stuff coming up in the next uh oh. season <laughs> might be some uh yeah, so so yeah, that was kind of just like the the vibe and the philosophy, and I just had so much fun with it. It's kind of funny because I never thought about it. It's almost like you know the Marvel universe, but it's like the Hannah Barbera universe, yeah, like right. where like you've got all those you know forever things that people have known about forever that fit into these certain pockets. But you're right. I mean, there's plenty of that. There's plenty to mess with that people it's obscure enough that they don't know enough about, except for people like this. <laughs> right. 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 Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, so you have that going, but you also have Archie Comics going. Yes. Archie Comics has also been around, gosh, since 1939, I think. Yeah. So you've done a project where you're kind of going to the horror side of Archie Comics? Yeah, so Archie Comics has a great horror line. Um, some, of some of it's called Archie Horror and some of it's called uh, Chilling Adventures. Um, yeah, and it's just this kind of cool thing that they do where they do these, um, it's mostly anthologies, sometimes it's bigger stories and bigger issues, but, excuse me, it's mostly anthologies, um, and yeah, it's just kind of putting those Archie characters into, like, all of your favorite horror scenarios, and it's just so much fun, and again, it's just something that I was like reading I you know I'm a big comics reader and so I was picking up these Archie issues my mom is a huge Archie fan so like we had them around the house growing up and you know we would get them at the supermarket and stuff like that so I was like super familiar with these characters and just thought it was so cool that they would do these issues where you know they die in every uh in every one um so yeah, it, it's, I think they're so, and they get like such great artists and they look beautiful, great covers. It's just such a fun line of comics. And yeah, I was just kind of friendly online with um, their editor, um, Jamie Rotante, and she, you know, kind of knew I had done comics and I had just tried to politely say, um, I would love to do this. I love these comics. If you ever need anybody, consider me, consider me um, excited to do it. And yeah, eventually um, she just kind of found a found a found the right project for us to work on together, and yeah, that project is Pop's Chocolate Shop of Horrors. Uh, it comes out March twenty second. It is three 
spooky stories set in the famous Riverdale Diner. And yeah, that should be in comic shops uh, again, March 22nd, but you can put in those pre-orders now. Um, those pre-orders are kind of big for comics. So if it sounds like something you're you're into, uh, definitely call in that, that pre-order to your local shop. Um, yeah, super fun to do, turned out great. It's, um, yeah, the artist I worked with is uh, Liana Congas and like, they've got such a great like portfolio of work and I was such a fan of theirs. And so like, it was so like fun to get to work on this. Yeah, I went on to Twitter and I found some of the the cover art and then the inside art and it looked really cool. It's yeah, cool. it's it's a beautiful it's a beautiful book. It's a ton of fun. Um, yeah, just it's such a such a fun thing to uh, to be able to like collaborate on. Yeah. Okay. Very so cool. I'm like speaking outside the comic book world because that is his. So <laughs> pre order, you call the store. There's yes. no, no like pre order online. It's like call the store. Yeah, you know, I think they're, so if you go onto previews world, uh, co the comics world is still like <laughs> a little bit obtuse in the way that they do things. Uh, <laughs> it's an old fashioned business. Okay. Um, so yeah, so you can go on to there. Um, I think they will be selling it on the Archie website and uh, obviously you can read it digitally so you can buy it wherever you read digital comics. But um, yeah, I think I think the like most fun and most surefire way to get to it is just to like, call the store or go in and just tell them you want to pre-order Pop's Chocolate Shop of Horrors. That's kind of what I like about comics is it's still a very yeah. like personal, yeah. right. you know, kind of business and you get to know the people at the shop and it's a, you know, small business in your neighborhood and there's no big comics chains. So yeah, it's just kind of a fun, it's a, I don't know, it's such a fun little world and it's, I like how old fashioned it stayed. So yeah. yeah and then, you know, like you say, that personal human connection. Um, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I can't tell you how many comic book shops we've wandered through together. It's true. It's that see the relationship goals. That's great. Yeah. There are less and less of them. Yeah. So you've been so successful on all the social media platforms. Tell what is what would you tell your 15-year-old self if you were like, hey, this is what you know, somebody out there that wants to do what you do and loves that creative, like how how do you how do you start that? What do you tell how do you tell them to be involved in social media and keep that fresh? Oh. Yeah, with social social media is tough. It's nice of you to say that I've been successful on social media. I don't think I'm great at it. Um, I think in like the early days of Twitter, I definitely like tweeted a lot of like jokes, you know, um, and had fun doing that. But, you know, obviously it's a very different place now. I was late to Instagram. I, I only joined Instagram a couple years ago to like uh, promote um a graphic novel called Bubble that I did that came out a, a little while back. Um, and yeah, and I like have fun with it, but I'm not sure like how to produce content for social yeah. media anymore. Um, you know, I'm a little too old for TikTok. Um, <laughs> uh, I think I'll just, you know, I think I'll stop it what I've got for now. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think that like, it's such a different, like entertainment is so different now than when I started and it will keep getting different. Like it will only become more fragmented and stranger as it goes. So, I mean, like, I think I would tell people just starting now to like, just like try and make something that you can put out there yourself, you know, like it doesn't, you know, like maybe it will become something that sustains you. Like maybe it will become a job, but maybe it won't. And even if it doesn't, like having something that you're producing semi-regularly will help you get a job because like, 
you know, a lot of jobs start with, you know, an interview where people say, what are you working on? And if you don't have anything, uh, that's not great, <laughs> you know? So, so yeah, there's a lot of like stuff you can do. So I think just like, I would say, find what you, you think you can do well. Is it a podcast? Is it TikTok videos? Is it reviews? Is it Twitch streaming? Is it, you know, filming sketches and putting them up? Is it, you know, funny movie reviews. It's just like finding what you think you do well and what you like doing and just like doing it regularly. And then I think that will, that's a pretty like good first step to, you know, making a career or, you know, at the very least, like having fun with creativity. Getting that creative mm -hmm. out, yeah. Nice. I think that's so smart. So I think like in the world of like duets on TikTok, everybody's doing those, you know, that like having that original content that is just you, you know, is is like valuable. Yeah. And getting that content out. And then of course, we all know posting regularly is like the big deal. Yeah, yeah. Definitely like with the world of podcasting, like yeah. so, so much of like making a podcast work in the early days is like consistency. Just put it out on Tuesday every week or, you know, yeah, exactly. turn out on the third Thursday of every month. And um, yeah, just like start there. Yeah, See what sure. happens. That's right. Yep. I mean, we have to go because we have to go to our local comic book shop so we can. Yes. It's we got to get our pops chocolate shop. Of horror. You got to, you must pre-order. Yes. Oh, yeah. We got to dip real quick. Um, So we thank you so much for joining us today. Again, our son Alex is going to be over the moon and his. Ah, nice. Cool. They couldn't believe that we were talking to you today. They think we're so much cooler now. And so do we. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for taking time to talk to us today. And we can't wait to see what the future holds for you and read this new comic book. Thanks. Yeah, this was fun. That was a fascinating interview. Creative people, they just blow my mind. Yeah, it's so fun to talk to creative because they're always thinking outside the box. Right. People, yeah. you know, honestly, me growing up, people have said, you're so creative. And then I sit next to you and I'm like, not really, because Scott is so creative. And then you talk to somebody like Jordan Morris and you're, and you're like, like, I'm not very creative. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, there's always a group of people you're more creative than right. and less creative. There's than. always someone that's more creative. So. And, and yeah. these minds just work so incredibly different. But let's tell them about the time in L.A. when we went and found We're Good with Camorgas film. Okay. And we mentioned that with Jordan. And yeah. he seemed kind of shocked that we knew where this place was. Yeah. So I'm afraid we're going to be arrested or something, no. but I'm going to tell you the story. We're not going to be arrested? We're okay. not going to divulge any information. Okay, we're yeah, we're not going to give away any secrets at all. No, secret's safe with us. That's right. But we did find the Good Mythical Morning Studios. We still don't know how, actually, because... We don't know. Our youngest son, know. Alex, in the back seat of our rental car, said, I think I know where it's at. We tried two or three locations. Mm -hmm. And in the middle of our son's researching in the back seat, I found... <laughs> Laurel and Hardy's old home. Oh, that's right. Right, Oliver mm -hmm. Hardy's home. Mm -hmm. And I enjoyed that. No, I don't think anyone else. Nobody did. Really, yeah. Nobody. I took a picture. It was yeah. great for me. That was awesome for you. Um, Nobody else knows who that is. They're comedians from the 20s, 30s, and 40s. Exactly. So, yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, it was me vamping for time because we felt like we were close in Burbank, but we didn't really know where to go. We'd gone to two or three spots, wasn't it. I think we actually went by their warehouse where they have all their products for sale. Oh, that's right. Yeah. It's the first place we went. Right. Mm -hmm. So out of the back seat, Alex is like, I think I know where it's at. And we're like, Alex, how'd you find this out? And he says, I can't tell he you. He still won't tell he us. He won't tell us. Not even today. Like even before we walked in, I'm like, will you tell us where how you found this? I can't tell you, Dad. Can't tell us. So apparently, I don't know if the mafia's involved or what's yeah. going on there. 
There's some secret he's, agency. He's, he's the vault. He's the what do they call him? Chamber of Secrets. Yes, he is. Yes. So we ride up to this building. It's a totally nondescript office building. No signage, darkened windows. Very darkened windows. Like we're thinking, okay, this is it, but we have no proof. Mm -hmm. So Rebecca, you parked on the corner. You parked on the curb as our getaway car mm -hmm. in case we needed to get out of there fast. And we walked around the corner just to see in the back alley because on Good Mythical Morning, they do a lot of stuff in the back alley when they need to be outside. So we know there's like the zebra print wall that they're always in front of. So that was going to be our clue of this is the right place. The right place. So we get around to this wrought iron gate that you can see through, and we see down this alleyway the zebra fit, the zebra wall. That's right. That's when you knew you'd hit gold. We knew we felt like Indiana Jones. Yeah. And we'd just gotten through all the obstacles to find the treasure. Right. It was like Christmas morning. Yeah, but it was also like a Saturday or something. So. Well, it was a Saturday before Christmas. So. Right. So I don't I think mean, anything everything was, really was empty. Like right. nothing was there. Nobody was really. There. So now that we know we're there, we go around to the windows and we're trying to look in. Yeah. So it was so dark, you cupped your hands and you couldn't see anything. Right. But I'm like, I'm just gonna throw my phone up there and rest it against the glass. I do that. And take a picture. Yeah, I, I did take a picture, but we will never share those on social yeah. media. Just okay. want Rhett and Link to know yeah. that. And it's the Good Mythical logo in their yes. waiting room. But you couldn't see it until you looked at the picture. Right. You couldn't see it with your hands <laughs> Right. I mean, it's that's like how dark it was. It's almost yeah. like an illusion. It was crazy. So we took a picture of that. Then I went down to another window, and when I put my phone next to the glass, you mm. could see the kitchen where they do all their kitchen stuff and make the crazy so foods they crazy. eat. So we were just like kids in a candy store. Right. In a cotton candy rainy store. And <laughs> nice. Then Jake's like, I got to try it. There was a button, intercom button on the door. It didn't look like anybody was there. Like it was totally dark. But Jake a couple of times pushed, pushed the button. button. Yeah. And said, hello? Hello? And nobody answered. Nobody answered. But I think Red Link have us on security video <laughs> trying to break into the place. Probably. <laughs> you can never go back to Burbank again. <laughs> right. I totally understand why they don't give their address because you would have crazy people like us trying to yeah, find them. Totally crazy. We even thought, hey, let's go back a couple of days later and see if they're recording, but we didn't do it. Oh my gosh. Yeah. You guys were insane. I was glad I my skill set is the getaway car and that's right. I stayed in my lane. Ah. Yeah, you did. <laughs> Well, we hope you guys enjoyed this interview with Jordan Morris. We thought it was fascinating. If you're big Red and Link fans, and even if you're not, you're going to love God Candy Randy. Thanks for listening. Party Party Five and a Half, over and out. We'll see you next time.